first passage. Now before we read that, let's pray. Um, And to pray I'm going to use the words of a song by Sovereign Grace. And the song is called Show Us Christ. So let's bow our heads. Prepare our hearts, O God. Help us to receive. Break the hard and stony ground. Help our unbelief. Plant your word down deep in us. Cause it to bear fruit and open our ears to hear. Lead us in your truth. Show us Christ, O God. Reveal your glory through the preaching of your word until every heart confesses that Christ is Lord. Your word is living light. Open our darkened eyes. Guards us through temptations. Makes the simple wise. Your word is food for famished ones, freedom for the slave, riches for the needy soul. Come speak to us today. Amen. So John chapter 13 from verse 33. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And we'll also read from John chapter 18. Verses 15 through to 18. Where it says, Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard, but Peter had to wait outside the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You are not one of his disciples, are you? The girl at the door asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter was also there standing with them, warming himself. And then we'll go to verse 25. As Simon Peter stood warming himself, he was asked, You're not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Uh, Thanks, Graham. Uh, Just while I get set up, you might like to introduce yourself to the person next to you. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about names, so you might like to find out what their name means. You might say, hi, my name's Graham. I'm a grey suit of armour or something like that. But uh, say hi to the person near you and try to find out what their name means. (coughs) 
Okay. What's in a name? Uh, we've met a few Africans in our time, which has been fantastic, and Africans often have uh, interesting names. I met one name, uh, or one man with a name, uh, called Luate, which means the boy after many girls. I thought, oh, that's really interesting. He had lots of older sisters. Um, and I asked him, well, what does your daughter's name mean? Oh, what is your daughter's name? What does that mean? And he said, oh, they're talking about me. I go, really? That's kind of a strange thing to name your daughter. And he said, well, in our culture, we will name our daughter depending on the circumstances of what was going on at the time. And he was a banker and in their culture, lending money um, often all his cousins wanted mates' rates and he kept having to say, look, no, I can't. This is the bank's money, not mine. And so people were talking about him, so that's what he named his daughter. So she's living her days on this earth with this name, meaning they're talking about me. Um, the funniest one we met was a, a man called No More. And he had many, many older brothers and sisters and no younger ones. So you can imagine the context of his birth, a labouring woman saying, his name shall be no more. <laughs> but it's interesting. Some cultures, they name people according to the circumstance of what's going on. Other cultures are different. When they name someone, they are giving an identity to that person. So my wife's name is Linda and people over there may have found out that her name means lovely. Uh, so it was on the list of positives when I was working out should I marry this person or not. It wasn't the top of the list, but it was helpful. When we named our first daughter, we named her Jasmine, as a prayer that her identity would be um, an aroma and a fragrance of life and beauty wherever she went. And that's our prayer, that she would grow into that identity of her name. Now when we look at the scriptures, in Hebrew culture we see both aspects. Some people are named according to a circumstance that was happening at the time and God often gave that name and it had a lot of meaning. Other people were given a name that bestowed an identity on them. Jesus was one of those names. God saves. He shall grow up and be a man through whom God will save the world. Hebrew culture has both aspects. And so when we come to this character Simon Peter, his names actually have significance of the journey that he went on in his life. Simon means weak-willed man. And when Jesus first met this Simon, he was a fisherman. And we heard last week when Carl was preaching from Matthew 4 
But Jesus spoke to him and said, Come and follow me. And he left everything, left his nets, left his father and followed Jesus. And for three years spent time with Jesus learning from him and changing in the process. And along the way, Peter gave him a new name, said that your name shall be Cephas, meaning the rock. Cephas is the the Greek name for Peter. So here we have a man that was given a name of birth which meant weak-willed man and yet was given a name and an identity by Jesus as a new follower, you shall be the rock. Now if I was a little eight-year-old boy wanting to choose a wrestling name for the schoolyard, I would go for the rock. That would be much more kind of manly. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time reflecting on Peter's journey and especially what happens in John 21, which is one of my favourite parts of the scriptures. The good thing about Peter's life is he shows up so many times in the Gospels. He was, a, he was one of the privileged witnesses to almost all the significant things that Jesus did on this earth during those three years of public ministry. And we just read a story of what happened on the night before Jesus died. And that's the context that we just need to kind of absorb before we look at John 21. So there's three points I want to make today and the first one is that Peter is shattered. At the start of John 21, Peter is a shattered, broken man. And when we look back into John 13 and John 18, we find out why he was so broken inside. To think about the chronology of where John 21 is, um, it's in the 40 days that Jesus spent on earth between his resurrection and his ascension. He was crucified as a man around about 33 on a Friday. He was raised from the dead on the Sunday And it says that he spent 40 days on earth appearing to his disciples and then he ascended into heaven. John 21 is in the middle of that 40-day period where they're interacting with the risen Lord Jesus. What What Ed read from John 13 and John 18 was before this period, on the Thursday night, the night before Jesus was killed. And we read of a brash promise that Simon made. And he makes it in all the Gospels. All four writers thought Simon's denials were important enough to include. Not every Gospel um, incident is in all four Gospels, but these are. And Simon Peter makes these brash promises, I will lay down my life for you, Jesus. Even if all fall away, I will not. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And that us on the other side of history, we cringe and we think, oh, Peter, if only you were to know what was about to happen. Simon, this weak-willed man, was about to disown his Lord and Saviour. And Jesus knows that and he predicts it when he hears these brash promises of Simon Peter, Jesus said to him, do you know what, before the rooster crows to signify tomorrow morning has come, 
you will have disowned me three times. And then we read of how that plays out. As Jesus is being put on trial, as he is being tortured, Peter is outside gathering with different people. It's cold and so he gathers with others around a fire and one of them, a little girl, says, you're one of his followers, aren't you? He says, no, no I'm not. And then someone else comes and says, you are one of his disciples, you're a Galilean, you talk with the same accent. No, I'm not. And then the third time, a relative of a man that he'd actually chopped his ear off says, I know you. You were there with Jesus when that happened. And he says, no. And then you hear this rooster, cock-a-doodle-doo. It's happened. He's disowned him hours after he claimed that he would never do that and he would lay down his life for Jesus. Now imagine what's going on inside of Peter. Shame, guilt, remorse. He has let down one of his best friends, let alone his Lord and Saviour. And so the next couple of weeks he lives with that, with that guilt and shame and remorse. On Sunday morning, Jesus is risen from the dead. That night, Peter sees Jesus, the risen Lord, alive, sees him with his disciples, with these emotions sitting here. One week later, Jesus appears again to the disciples and again it's sitting here. Peter cannot take the full joy that Jesus is alive because of what he did to him. And we're about to see a third time when Jesus appears to his disciples. Now what's Peter's response to all of this? When we start looking at John 21, we will realise he's gone fishing. Now Aussies, Aussie men, if we're under stress, if we're dealing with something on our conscience, you'll probably find us in the shed or you'll probably find that we've gone fishing. We can understand and relate to Peter. He's dealing with all this stuff going on here. He has let down one of his mates at the time of critical need and in trying to deal with that and come to terms with it and find peace, he clears out and he goes fishing. But in reflecting on this, there might actually be something deeper going on. Do you remember three years before, Peter was a fisherman That was his business. Before he was a follower of Jesus, that's what he did. And Jesus came and entered into his life and said, I want you to stop doing that and I'm giving you a different calling. And so Peter left everything, left his fishing boats to bank all on Jesus and following him. Now three years later, he's gone back to his fishing boats. There might be something far deeper going on in Peter's soul here. This three-year experiment with Jesus, I've let him down. I'm excluded now. I'd better go back to my fishing boats because I have no hope now. This Jesus who I trusted, I have let down and I don't think I can ever be at peace with him again. I will go back to my former way of life. 
Now that's the context and before we get into John 21, just to think through some application already. Is there guilt, shame or remorse in your hearts? And is it crippling you and is it a barrier between you and the Lord Jesus in living a life full of peace and joy? You may know who Jesus is. You may know what he's done. You may even know where he is right now at the right hand of the Father in heaven ruling. You may have even followed him for a number of years and yet something has happened and something is in your conscience that is so deep and strong and weighing heavy on you that you think I can never be at peace with him again. Surely he cannot love me after what I have done. I do not deserve to be his follower. Practically speaking, it may be that you believe your sin is so great that the love of Jesus cannot deal with it and in your conscience you are feeling that lostness. And I've met people like this who have walked with Jesus, who know all this stuff and yet something has gone on that is a barrier And so often they return to their former way of life and they live as they used to live. Maybe not so wholeheartedly now because their conscience is still speaking. And they may even still go through the motions of coming to church because they know there is a truth there and a rightness to it. And yet deep in their spirit they are crippled by their sin. Now if this is you, if something of that is going on in your heart, then you are in good company. You are walking in Simon Peter's footsteps. You are where he was at, at the start of John 21. And as we start to look at that, make sure you keep walking with him through this chapter because it's got incredible things to say about a man that was transformed and sent out to live a productive life for Jesus. Now instead of reading this chapter, we're going to watch a DVD. This is the word for word, um, an English translation put to um, a reenactment of the scene. Personally I've found it so helpful in trying to understand the nuances of what's going on in this chapter. So we're going to play this. John 21, enjoy it. If you want to follow it through in the scriptures you can. But as you're looking, um, ask two questions and notice how does Jesus reveal himself to Peter and the second one, what happens around the fire?
How did Jesus reveal himself to Peter? Uh, The disciples had all gone north back to Galilee. They had spent time in Jerusalem for the week following the death and resurrection of Jesus and then they headed north to wait. And Jesus turns up when they were going about their business. And did you notice how how much of an earthy and personalised interaction Jesus had with his men to reveal that it was him? He said, put down your nets. I know you've been fishing all night. I know you haven't caught anything, but put down your nets. And they had such a miraculously large catch of fish that they remembered. And Peter would have remembered back to that day three years ago when he first met Jesus. When Jesus said to him, you've been working hard all night. Go and put down your nets on the other side of the boat. And they caught such a miraculously large catch of fish that they were amazed. Do you see how Jesus recreated that scene to remind Peter of times in the past when Peter was able to glimpse the truth and goodness of Jesus and trust in it. Some application. Jesus will meet you where you are at, usually when you're going about your business Monday to Saturday, and he will meet you there and speak a language that is personal to you, to reveal himself to you so that you can have confidence in him. And Peter would have been thinking, wow, maybe there is hope for reconnection again if Jesus is speaking in this way and revealing himself in this way to me. And then what happens around the fire? The all-knowing Jesus who has been raised to life now examines Peter for the sincerity of his love. Because of Peter's actions a number of weeks ago, there was doubt as to whether Peter genuinely loved Jesus because his actions were showing otherwise. And so Jesus lovingly recreates the scene of Peter's denials. They happened around a fire. There were others gathered so that when Peter spoke his words, others heard his confession. And so Jesus lovingly recreates this scene and says to Peter, do you love me? Such a simple question. Peter's denial had raised this question and so Jesus asks it three times. And the first time he says, do you love me more than these? And what's he meaning there? Is he getting it? Do you love me more than even your best friends? Do you love me more than you love them? Do you love me more than you love your reputation before men? Or maybe he's picking up on Peter's bold, brash promises. Even if everyone else falls away, I'll stay faithful. Maybe he's confronting that. And what was Peter's answer? Just a simple, yes, you know I love you. And a second time, yes, you know that I do. And when Jesus asked the third question, 
I think that's when Peter was really connecting with what was going on. He denied him three times and now Jesus was asking him three times and he breaks down and he was hurt. And after some time he says, Jesus, you know all things. You know what's in my heart. You know my mixed up actions that express the mixed upness in my heart. But Jesus, you know, deep down, I do love you. I'm one of yours. And this process that Jesus was taking Peter on was a process in order to set him free. He was a shattered man, but in this scene, Jesus is setting him free from his guilt and his shame and his remorse. And how does Jesus respond to these answers that Peter gives? He says, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, take care of my sheep. And when you think, what is the most valuable treasure that Jesus has? Is it not you and me, his people, who he loves so dearly that he died for? And here he is speaking to Peter and saying, do you love me? Because I am entrusting my people to you. Feed them, take care of them, lead them well. There is nothing more valuable that Jesus could have given him. So you see this restoration that is happening. Peter, full of shame and guilt and remorse, Jesus sets him free forgives him, takes him through a process and then gives him back the responsibility for which he was originally chosen, to be an apostle in the body of Christ, to feed the people of God and take care of them. And so we see Peter taken through this process of being set free. But more than that, he is then sent out. Jesus is set free from his guilt, shame and remorse and now Jesus sends him out with an apostolic responsibility to feed and care for his sheep and a really deep transformation is going on inside Peter. Weak-willed man is becoming the rock who is going to lead that early church. So just to reflect a little bit on where we've come from, Do you remember the brash promises of Peter on that Thursday night? Even if everyone else falls away, I will not. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. I will lay down my life. And Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. There was something genuine there that Peter was speaking out. It was a brash promise but there was some commitment there. And then you notice the brotherly prayer of Jesus that is spoken of in Luke 22. Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. That was on the Thursday night before Peter disowned Jesus. 
Jesus comes alongside with a brotherly prayer to say, I know you will fall, but I will pray for you and you will remain with me. And now we see a bloody prediction of of Peter's end in John 21. As Jesus foresaw his own suffering, now he foresees what Peter will go through and the end of Peter's life. Peter would die a martyr. He would be faithful unto death. He would fulfil that promise I am ready to go to prison and to die for you, Jesus. It is no longer now in his own strength, a young man making a brash commitment. No, he will die in old age. After many decades of faithful service to the Lord Jesus and he will die a death where he is a martyr. He will be faithful to the end because Jesus has prayed and sustained for him. Peter would die in old age as a martyr. If Jesus said that about you, what reaction would you have? It may be, oh no, and you spend the rest of your life dreading your end. For Peter, I think it probably really set him free to think, wow, after what I have done in disowning my Lord and Saviour, do you mean I'm going to live till old age? and have an opportunity to give years and years and decades of faithful witness to my Lord? And do you mean that I will have the honour in old age to lay down my life for my Lord and Saviour? I think it would have been great encouragement to him. Something that I have come to understand is you and I are immortal until God calls us home. As long as there is work for us to do for the Lord Jesus on this earth, we cannot die. And when we have done all that Jesus wants us to do on this earth, we will die. It's that simple. And I think for Peter, this bloody prediction of his end would have given him great courage to think, okay, I will give it my all for these three or four decades And in my old age I know my end will be one that will glorify God. Later on when we get to Acts 2, we hear of Peter standing up in front of a big crowd and we are amazed by his bold preaching. In Acts 2, from verse 36, after he has spoken about the death and resurrection of Jesus, he says this, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptised every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. And with many other words, Peter warned them, and Peter pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 
You think, wow, what happened in John 21 to take this man who was shattered because of his sin, to set him free and then to send him out so that he can preach with that sort of boldness and sustain it for 30 or 40 years to the point where he dies a martyr's death. God has done something in this man's life in this chapter. At the end of this chapter, you remember, they're just walking off and Jesus says to Peter, follow me. Peter's been worrying about, well, what about this guy and what about this guy? How will they end their life? And Jesus says, don't worry about them. I'll just give you a command. Follow me. It's exactly the same thing I said three years ago when I first met you and called you to a life of discipleship. It's the same command. Fresh start now. It's the same thing I will say day in, day out. Follow me. Now just to tie things together. Can you imagine facing an exam and then discovering this exam only has three questions and then you discover all the questions are the same and then you find out what the question is. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? That is the exam, the test that we will face at the end of time. It's a test that we face when we wake up every morning, try to work out how we're going to live today. Just answer that question. Do you love me? Follow me. Is guilt, shame, remorse crippling you? When Jesus eyeballs you and asks this question, what's your answer? Do you love me? And are you able to say with Peter from a humble, shattered, broken soul, I do, I do love you and I know the blood of Jesus is able to cover all of my sin. I am free. And have you discovered the secret that you are set free in order to serve wholeheartedly and boldly live for Jesus? If you have been set free, then you have nothing to fear. You are immortal until Jesus calls you home. As long as God has work for you to do on this planet, you cannot die. And when you have done all that he's asked you to do, you will. And you'll be united with him forever. I'm just going to read out the first three verses of Hebrews 12 and then finish. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I'll pray for us. Lord God, we just want to appreciate all that you have done for us and thank you for giving us a glimpse into Peter's life 
Thank you for setting him free as a broken and shattered man and thank you for sending him out and maintaining his faithfulness and loyalty to you through many decades to the point of dying a martyr's death. Please speak as we need to be spoken of this morning so that we can be set free and sent out to serve you wholeheartedly. Amen.